Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton-Game, and this is Millennial Money. Today, we're talking the art of building wealth with Max and taking small money steps for success. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton-Game. It will expand your brain. So today's Ask Shauna is a little bit different. We're going to actually share a success story today. This is from Robert. And Robert said, so I recently discovered your podcast around December of last year, and it has completely changed my life. I'm 32 and currently don't make as much money as I like. Yeah, you and me both, right? (laughs) I've been at my current employer for over 13 years. When I was in college, like most college students, I got hooked on the credit card crazy. I remember I got my first credit card back in 2004 with a $300 limit. It slowly increased increased to some insane amounts of $57,000. I started to be careless and was putting everything on my credit cards and making just the minimum payment. At one point, my credit card balance was insane. Being stupid, I just stopped making payments and all my credit cards went into collections. Constantly getting calls from creditors and none wanting to work with me. It wasn't until about two years I actually looked at my credit and my credit score was 480. At the time, I wanted to get a new car. My parents helped me put a huge down payment, but the interest rate was a little over 13%. Last year, I was able to refinance to 2.2%. My credit score is currently 768. My past caught up with me and I got a 1099C for all that credit card debt. I didn't want to, but had to take a loan from my 401k to pay my taxes. It's a struggle because I live paycheck to paycheck since my employer doesn't pay enough to live in Southern California. I've been with the company for over 13 years and have a degree. A few years ago, they offered hourly employees a 401k, so I started putting money into it. But after listening to your podcast, I changed my percentage I put in, and I also switched to a 401k Roth. Your podcast has inspired me to save and cut back on things and to have a rainy day fund. 
I currently have four credit cards and use them as debit cards. Thank you for sharing all this important financial planning information. I would be lost without you. Robert, thank you so much for sharing your story. I love to hear stories like this because I think it is just a reminder that no matter how bleak your situation may look, you can begin to make changes. And it really starts from just that that moment of awareness of like, okay, here's my situation. And your situation doesn't have to be like Robert's. You don't have to be that much in debt or you don't have to have had, you know, your credit cards go to collection or whatever it may be. It could just be something simple or, or, or you know, relatively minor, but in your world, it feels like such a big thing, you know? And I think the important thing is to remember to make these small changes, right? Start looking at your numbers, you know, up your 401k by a percentage point, your contribution, just start somewhere, you know, say half of your tax return versus blowing it on something you won't care about in a year. And I speak personally from that one, because in my early 20s, I remember getting, you know, a $7,000 tax refund. And I pretty much think it vaporized almost as fast as I got the check in my hand. And I can't honestly tell you now what that money was spent on, what I bought, what I did. I don't remember it at all. It just, it literally was was gone. So I'm not saying save your whole refund, you know, just start by saving a little bit, something, you know, put something towards one of your goals. You know, maybe you you decide to wake up each morning and Say a positive quote or a statement or a mantra to yourself that, you know, today is a new day. You're going to start making some money decision today that maybe you wouldn't have made yesterday, right? And I know that sounds silly and ridiculous, but sometimes that's what it takes, you know, and just start with the small changes, no matter what it is for your situation. You just need to make a small commitment and then build on it like Robert did, right? It was just like, okay, this situation has to change. This situation isn't propelling me forward. It isn't getting me where I want to get. And sometimes things have to get to a place where like you're looking around at everything and going, wow, this all pretty much sucks. You know, the only thing I can do is actually just make a change. And again, it's going to be different for all of us. I mean, you know, my situation after I got divorced and and I didn't really have anything to my name except the clothes that I owned and the car that I was paying off and student loans and debt and all of the nasty bits about money. And, you know, there were so many days where I thought like, okay, this is just, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't think life is supposed to be like this, but I started to make these little small steps. I started to make good decisions with what I had and I started to leverage it to open the door to more things. And when I did that and when I changed my mindset, things really started changing. Like opportunities started to open up for me. And I I just started to look at money a whole different way. Even though I had been a financial planner for years before that, it was like I saw money just differently. And I think that was, you know, for me, such a great cathartic moment, if you will. I think it's a lot what I bring to this podcast and to you. And and don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of other um, moments in my life where I've made, you know, not great money decisions and I've had to counteract that behavior, but that was pretty much the most dramatic time in my life. And so please, like, I beg you, let the crap of the past go. You know, I hung on to those past mistakes too long. It didn't do me any good. And what changed for me was changing my mindset, changing the way I thought about money, changing the way I looked at what was in my bank account, the way I looked at debt, the way I looked at, you know, wealth and and building money. And it all began with these small steps to better my own financial situation. And it's what I've done personally. And it's also what has worked with so many people that I've worked with over the past 12 years as a financial planner. You know, I've worked with some people whose net worths are, you know, $100 million plus, which for most of us feels like an impossibility, right? Like a totally insane situation. And then some people who are just barely getting by and, and everybody in between, you know, we're all on this 
uh, completely different spectrum when it comes to our finances. But the most frequent question I get asked always is, so what's the secret, right? How do I build true wealth? You know, and it's funny how people ask me like, like uh, they ask me in this like quiet, hushed tone, you know, so, so, so what's the secret, you know? And I always like lean back in. I'm like, there is no secret, you know, because there isn't a secret. Uh, it, it really is thinking about your money a different way. So first off, what I ask is, what does true wealth mean to you, right? Is it having millions of dollars in your retirement plan? Does it mean owning lots of real estate with equity? Does it mean having your money working smartly for you? So hopefully you have lots of options and choices in your life. What does it look for you? And you have to start from a point of defining what that is for you. Because if you don't define what that is for you, how in the world do you know where you're going? How do you know what decisions to make that are actually going to help you get there? You don't, right? And it's why so many, especially when we're younger, we kind of are like, we're like lost little lambs, you know, just kind of like floating around doing different things with our money and maybe putting some of it here and some of it there. And, but there isn't really a, a, a an action plan, right? Because we haven't actually spent time to think about what in the world does it mean to us? So, you know, wealth doesn't have to mean millions of dollars, but what I have found is those who are invested smartly, making their money work for them in the best ways, et cetera, and understanding that, you know, whether you have a lot or a little, you actually just need to be a good manager of what you've got. And that might seem like, you know, hocus pocus, like crazy, uh, crazy talk, but it, it honestly is what has worked for in my life. And it honestly is what I have seen work in so many different people's lives. And I think that's why it's so important to share the stories and the questions and talk about these things on the podcast. And, you know, even when I try to have people on the podcast that I'm interviewing, you know, get a glimpse into their own money story. I think it, it just hopefully helps us all look at money a little differently. So what does this mean? So what I have seen over the last, you know, 10 plus years of working with people on all different income spectrum. Wealth looks like this, right? It's understanding where your money is going and controlling that as best as you can. So controlling those expenses while still having fun, but it really is the expense portion where the magic happens. You know, the income's the income, right? And your income's going to go up, it's going to go down, it's going to go backwards, forwards, all around throughout your lifetime. And Focusing solely on the income is missing the powerful piece. And the powerful piece is where is your cash going? And it may be just that it is going all the places that it has to go and there isn't a lot extra. Or it might be that it's going all the places it needs to go uh, and then it's going a lot of other places that maybe it doesn't need to go, right? And it's just creating that awareness of where the heck is my cash going, right? Where does it go every single month? Uh, when we talk about investing, it's not putting all your money in one basket. So not all your money is in your 401k or your IRA or your Roth. And more importantly, managing the fees in those investments. So some of the wealthiest people will tell you that the fees are really what can can eat away at your uh, at your wealth, right? And fees in your 401k and your IRA and your Roth and whether you know it or not you're paying fees there are fees every fund that you invest in there are fees so it's figuring out what are those fees what is the cumulative amount of fees in your investments and does it make sense right are there better funds that you can be invested in that um, is going to help you leverage more of, the, more of the upside, right? That's one of the reasons why these um, Betterments and, and uh, you know, all of these companies, these robo-advisor companies, and now all of the big guys like the Fidelis and Vanguards, they're all getting into the, you know, robo-advising market as well. And the idea behind it is that you're invested in super low-cost, usually ETFs, which are called uh, exchange-traded funds, where the cost of that fund is really, really low, right? It's usually like under a half percent, definitely under 1%. And the idea is that, you know, if you get, let's say, 8% growth in that fund, you're not giving up all your growth to fees, 
right? So pay attention to your fees. Another thing that I've seen people do is is be smart when they buy a house, right? Not everybody has to buy a house. First and foremost, I'm going to say that. I know we do a lot of um, episodes on this podcast about innovative ways to buy a house. And I think that there are so many cool strategies out there right now uh, for how you can leverage your cash, how you can make a smart decision when you're buying a house. But you better believe that a good credit score makes a huge difference when you're buying a house, right? A, a percentage point difference when you're buying a house over 30 years of a loan, that's a lot of cash. And let me tell you, you could do way more things with that cash. I would rather you take that cash and go on like the most spectacular, awesome vacation you could ever go on than have to pay that extra money just because your credit score is lower than it than it should be, right? Um, putting down a percentage for the down payment that makes sense for the current real estate market. And please don't buy the best house in the neighborhood. You may have heard this before, location, 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 right? It's, it's the common uh, statement that everybody says about buying a house. But when you buy the most expensive or the best house in the neighborhood, right, there's nowhere for you to go. If you buy a house that maybe is a little undervalued or, you know, isn't uh, the grandest house in the neighborhood, you can make that house better, right? You can build equity in that house. The reason why people buy houses, let's be honest, like if we're just being real here, the reason that people buy houses is yes, they want to live in them. Yes, they don't want to make rent payments. Those are the obvious things, but they want to build equity, right? They, they want to build some sort of asset where they're living. That's why people buy houses, right? So just being smart with it. Uh, another way that I've seen people uh, build wealth is getting the lowest interest rate you can on your credit cards and any loans you might have, which also ties back to that good credit score thing, and the best interest rate you can on your investments, which ties back to those fees and your emergency fund. Where is your cash? Where is your cash being stored? How much interest are you getting on that? Which is what we're going to talk to Gary with at Max, but we'll get to that in a minute. Another thing, making calculated decisions, right? Weighing the pros and the cons of each financial decision that you that you make and taking care of risks. Risk is something that not a lot of people talk about, right? We'll talk about like, oh, I paid off, you know, $90,000 in debt last year. Oh, we now don't have a mortgage on our house. And all of these amazing, I mean, it, it's amazing when people do this. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's incredible if you pay off that much debt. That means you're so focused on your expenses and your numbers and where your cash is going. To be able to do that is amazing. But you got to also like take care of those risks, you know? What happens if you get disabled and you can't work and you can't earn a paycheck? Uh, uh-oh, right? That's a bad thing. Uh, nobody likes to talk about this, but what happens if something happens to you, right? Is there somebody that is depending on you earning an income? What if you pass away? Uh, that's a big risk. What about liability exposure, you know, um, with car insurance? Do you have car insurance that is up to the limits it should be? If you got in an accident, is that going to expose you to risk? Maybe you have built up the, the flushiest emergency fund, but you don't have good car insurance and you get in an accident, somebody sues you and suddenly that flushy fund goes bye-bye, right? I have seen everything happen. So, you know, what are the risks that you're exposing to? And, and just other things like, are you growing in your skill set so that you always have career options? That's a smart wealth move, I certainly think. And just that you're always on the lookout for smart money moves, you know? There's there's a lot to keep in the back of your head, I know. But it really is pretty simple. And I know I've said this a lot on the podcast, but it's about being the capital B, capital O, capital S, capital S, right? Being the boss of your money. Not in like a sleazy uh, Wall Street dirty way. No, but you're the CEO of what you do with your cash. And it doesn't matter if you have a lot or a little. It doesn't matter. You have to start thinking like a CEO. What's working? What isn't working? What can we tweak? Uh, and, and most importantly, I think looking at your money as just literally this mechanism to get what you want in life. 
Do you want to start a business? Do you want to go on that vacation? Do you want to buy a new car or a house? Do you want to start a family and be able to afford to spend time with them? Do you want to get ahead in your career, pay off debt, etc.? Whatever it is for you, right? Your money, the cash you've got in your bank account is a mechanism to achieve those things. So how you spend your cash is the roadmap. It's the GPS system to how you're going to achieve these big and small goals. And it's really that simple. Does that make sense? So it's just this mind shift. It's looking at your finances in a whole new way, a positive way, regardless of whatever silly ass mistakes you've made. And guess what? We've all made them. Even that $100 million net worth person, they've made silly mistakes. They have totally made mistakes that they have to rebound from. So I want you to start seeing your money as a tool and not as a detriment, not as like, oh, I've only got this much money in my bank account. How can I stretch it? No, see it as the tool, as the roadmap. It's a shift. It may sound silly and ridiculous, but I guarantee you it's going to change things for you. It's what I've seen work and, you know, what I've seen when people have created positive and long lasting change, it's really been with these mind shifts. So in the next segment, we're going to be talking with Gary of Max. So Max My Interest is a really cool company that helps you literally max your interest rate on your cash so that it's working for you. Because remember, like if we're talking about building wealth and smart money moves, every bit counts. And you are far too busy to shop around constantly for interest rates and finding the best interest rate. So Max does the shopping for you. But what I love is that Max was created by Gary after the nasty 2008-2009 recession, but he wanted to grow his own cash in the most efficient way. So I don't know, it's it's definitely like food for thought, thinking about where is your money and how is it growing and you know, are, are you getting the most out of it that you possibly can? So we've been trying HelloFresh recently and really loving it. In case you don't know, HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you just cook, eat, and enjoy. What a great combination. And I love that they've got three plans you can pick from, classic, veggie, and family, so there's something for everyone. But I think the best part is that the recipes take 30 minutes or less, and I was able to choose a delivery day for when it works best with our schedule, which is a dream for us on super busy days. And you can try things you never think to cook on your own and enjoy eating outside of your own comfort zone. And the cool part is you get to keep the recipe cards and keep making the recipes that you love. We tried the chicken and pineapple quesadillas and I love creative quesadilla recipes. And this one was so tasty and the pineapple like added this extra special sweetness, which was so unique. It was great paired with a homemade margarita. And the best part is HelloFresh makes it easy to cook delicious balanced dinners for less than $10 a meal. That is great for your budget. But don't just take my word for it. Try it yourself and get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com and enter code MYMONEY30. Again, HelloFresh.com, enter code MYMONEY30. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout-friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work, and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. 
Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. So Gary, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. You know, when I heard about your company, Max, um, it really sparked a a big interest in me. You know, a lot of the listeners are, of course, millennials. They've seen what happened in the financial crisis and they've become very conservative. You know, a lot of them I hear, they don't even like investing their money. You know, and I thought maybe we just start off with maybe a little controversial question, you know, with millennials sitting all on all this cash. The question that I really have is, is this cash working for them? What do you think about that? Well, thank you, Sean, and thank you for having me on your show. Um, It's a really very interesting question because Max actually began during the financial crisis, or at least the idea for Max originated during the financial crisis, which I think is actually the genesis of a lot of angst that many millennials feel about investing, because it was a period of time during which a lot of, of trust was lost in the financial system, and a lot of millennials saw their parents go through difficult financial times. Um, and some of them were were in the early stages of their careers as well at that period of time. So uh, I think that the financial crisis is probably a good place to start because I think it explains a lot of of, um, the trepidation that many have felt about investing um, uh, in the markets and and more broadly. Um, I I do think, to answer your question directly, um, I do think it's a challenge um, that we all have to overcome um, because while cash is often viewed as a very safe investment, um, cash historically has not kept pace with inflation. And yes. cash certainly is not keeping pace with inflation and things like the cost of education and healthcare. And so, um, while we believe that cash can be an important part of an overall well-balanced portfolio, cash in and of itself is unlikely to provide the type of return that's going to be necessary for people to grow assets over a long period of time. You made such a good point. You know, it's it's not growing. And for those listeners who are maybe a little bit new to this concept, can you explain a little bit, you know, how does inflation work and how does that work against you if all your money's in cash? A uh, very good question, Shana. So um, inflation is the gradual increase in prices over time. Now, the United States has um, a, a good history of managing inflation carefully, but effectively, the government continues to print more money. And if government is printing money at faster than the pace at which, infl- at which the population grows, then the money supply increases. And what that basically means is that it devalues um, your the existing money that's out there. Now, some people like inflation because that causes wages to go up on a nominal basis. So when you see your salary go up, you might feel good that you're earning more. But if the cost of the goods and services that you purchase on a regular basis are going up at a rate faster than your wages are going up, then your real purchasing power is actually going down. Um, So to give a concrete example, um, I live in New York City. And um, when I moved to New York City, the subway was $1.50 per ride. And today the subway is $2.75 per ride, and soon it will be $3 per ride. And so if I had $100 um, when I first moved to New York City, and I haven't been able to invest that money and grow it, then the number of subway rides I can purchase for that same hundred dollars today has gone down. So I've actually lost money, um, even if even if you know I still have the principal value of that hundred dollars today. So it's very important, um, especially when you have a long time horizon. If you're in your 20s or 30s uh, or even early 40s, you have decades and decades. Um, with some luck, you have decades and decades left to live. <laughs> and so um, you want to make sure that that money grows um, and compounds over time. And, and the effect of compounding is incredibly important because it enables you to make money on the growth of your own money. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You made such a good point, even with inflation, that, you know, if you don't keep up with inflation, even though you might not think about it this way, you're actually moving backwards in a way. That's correct. Your your actual purchasing power is going down. Um, and there are numerous examples of countries that have lived through very high inflation. Um, Venezuela is going through that right now, where literally people are drawing new zeros on the ends of, of, of dollar bills. Um, and in an in a, in inflation in a market where um, inflation is out of control, there's a very strong incentive to spend your money because if you don't spend it, it will be worthless soon. In the United States, we're not plagued by that problem. Inflation is only about two or three percent per year. But what that means is that if you're not growing your assets by at least that much, you are actually moving backwards. Yeah, such a good point. You know, and you talked about the financial crisis really being the impetus behind Max. Tell me a little bit about how, you know, during that crisis, you, you know, evolved and came up with this idea. Great. Um, well, the genesis behind Max My Interest um, was actually quite simple. Um, I, uh, after college, I started working at an investment bank. And um, I was an investment banker for many years in New York. And then um, in 2007, I moved um, overseas to Japan um, to work as an expat there for a few years, which is a wonderful opportunity. And if, if your listeners ever have the chance within their um, jobs to go overseas for a few years, I, I can't recommend it more highly. It's a, a really wonderful, both personal and, and professional experience. Did you get to eat um, some good and, sushi while you were over there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, the food is the food is just phenomenal. Um, so anyway, I had a wonderful time living there and working there, but um, the years that I was in Japan happened to coincide with the financial crisis. So I moved in 2007, and within about six or nine months, the financial crisis really started to come into focus, um, and we started to see banks failing. And um, I had watched the, the stock of the bank where I worked go from $55 a share to $29 to $15 to 5 and one day I woke up and the stock had hit 97 cents a share. Yikes. Um, and I turned to my wife and I said, we've got a problem. And she said, uh, she's a financial journalist. So she said, yes, I, I know we have a problem. You might lose your job tomorrow. And I said, look, I'm not worried about my job. What I'm worried about is all of our cash that's sitting in our bank account because every dollar that's above the FDIC insurance limit basically is exposed. If the bank goes under, um, part of that money will be insured by the government, but everything above that um, will basically just be gone. And if you think about the reason that you hold cash in the first place, it's for safety and liquidity. Um, and here we were in a situation where both safety and liquidity were at risk. And so um, I had a very simple task that day, which is figure out how to keep that money safer. And the um, best solution I could think of was to spread that cash across multiple banks. Because the way that the FDIC insurance, the deposit insurance uh, works um, here in the United States is that um, you're insured up to a certain amount per, uh, per bank. And so by spreading cash across multiple banks, you can, can get more FDIC insurance coverage from the government. Um, but what really struck me as I went to open these accounts is that because I was abroad, I couldn't just walk around the corner and open up and, you know, more accounts at at physical branches. And so I went online and online, I found the online banks, um, which will be something that I, I, I hope will be familiar to many of your listeners. Um, at the time, the online banks were ING direct and HSBC direct and immigrant direct today. Many of the leading online banks are, are banks like ally or American express or markets. Um, but um, what struck me about the online banks is that they offered the um, really the same savings account product is any brick and mortar bank, but they offered it uh, at a much higher yield. In other words, they were willing to pay a much higher interest rate for those same deposits. And it struck me that there was really no difference between a savings account at a brick and mortar bank and a savings account at an online bank, except that the online banks pay 10 times more in interest. And so I began managing um, a number of these much higher yielding online bank accounts in connection with my existing brick and mortar checking account. And Max really grew out of a desire to automate that process so that uh, anyone who wanted to could earn dramatically more on their cash in the bank without having to switch banks. And I think that's really critical because 
a lot of people have an existing bank relationship with their local branch and they have direct deposit and bill pay set up. Maybe they have a mortgage there. And that's a very sticky relationship. You're never going to leave your bank. But what Max My Interest allows you to do is keep your existing bank well earning the higher yield that's available through these online banks. And so effectively, you can get the best of both worlds. And why do banks offer different rates? You know, why do you see a different rate, you know, even at one online bank versus another? It's a very good question. So um, the online banks fundamentally have a much lower cost structure than a brick and mortar bank, right? They don't have to pay for physical branches and air conditioning bills and those pens on chains and all of the things that you normally find in a physical bank branch. So just like um, you're able to buy a Lego kit on Amazon for less than you might pay at Toys R Us, the same is true in banking. Um, if you're willing to forego the physical branch experience, uh, you can get better pricing. Um, and what we did with Max is we said, well, why should you have to sacrifice one for the other? Why can't you have the best of both worlds? Why can't you have the benefit of your checking account at a full service brick and mortar bank while keeping your savings account at a more efficient online bank? Right, exactly. You know, and I think that we, you know, the bank industry has been obviously this this huge industry and we haven't innovative in, innovated a lot in that industry, you know, and I think that even now with with millennials, especially the younger millennials who are very tech friendly, there's still this uh kind of thought in the back of the mind of but online bank, is it safe? I mean, I see my Chase and my Bank of America and all of these banks I can drive by. And there's still this element where I find a lot of people are still scared of the online banks. What do you say to that, you know, security wise, um, you, you know, all of those kind of fears that people have about those online banks? We think the online banks are absolutely safe. And in fact, when you look at um, the banks that failed during the financial crisis, many of them were actually the largest banks. Um, so I think that the size of a bank is not necessarily an, an indicator of, of, of safety and soundness. I think the other thing that's important to note is that each account is insured up to $250,000 by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC. And so... Um, from that perspective, it's very safe. I think what, you're, what you've identified is really a perception issue, and it's really no different than what Amazon had to overcome. So when Amazon.com started um, about 20 years ago, they were an online retailer of textbooks. It was a very simple model. It was actually for college textbooks. And the idea was that at the local campus bookstore, they charge you know, uh, $50 for a textbook, and by selling it online, we can sell it for $45 because we don't have the same brick and mortar costs. And initially, and, and over time, Amazon expanded into other products, and now they're um, a, an absolute colossus of a company. But initially, people were quite concerned about shopping online. They said, can I trust my credit card online? What will happen with shipping? You know, what happens if I want to return something? And over time, Amazon invented one-click purchasing, Zappos, which is now owned by Amazon, invented the idea of free returns. Um, and over time, they overcame those hurdles. And now I think people look at Amazon and think of it as being more convenient than shopping in a brick and mortar store, whereas definitely. 20 years ago, it was quite the opposite. So so there, there's definitely an evolution. And we think that the banking sector um, is going through this same form of evolution, where initially people think online banking, is it safe? Um, and I think eventually people will perceive it to be even more convenient. What we've done with Max is try to give people a combination of the in-branch experience and the higher yield that's available through online banks and, and marry it and match it up so that it all works seamlessly together. Yeah. So walk me through a little bit. Like, let's say I'm, I'm someone I've got, I'm just going to take a round number. Let's say I have $10,000 in savings. Uh, you know, how would Max then go about allocating that money to these different savings accounts to really, you know, max my interest rate? Um, so the way that Max works is you start with your existing brick and mortar checking account. So right now you might have, let's say, a, um, you know, a checking account and a savings account at a brick and mortar bank. And it makes perfect sense to keep your checking account there because they have local branches and bill pay and um, you know, debit card and all the different things that you might do with that banking relationship. But the savings account um, really could be anywhere. 
Um, and so the way that Max works is you link your existing brick and mortar checking account to Max. And then um, we have software that streamlines account opening for opening online bank accounts. So instead of having to go uh, navigate the online bank websites and fill out lots of forms and go through a long conversation process, you can do that in just a few minutes on our website. And then what happens is that savings account um, is linked back to your checking account and Max orchestrates the flow of funds between the two so that you can keep however much money you want to keep in your checking account. And then everything above that can automatically flow to your higher yielding savings account where it can earn much more. And what Max does is on a daily basis, we monitor interest rates. And as the banks change their rates, we automatically tell the banks to move funds between your accounts so that you're always earning the highest yield possible. So if you join Max and you link, let's say two or three savings accounts, um, all of your money up to $250,000 will flow to the highest yielding bank. If you have happen to have more than $250,000, um, congratulations. Then, right. <laughs> then, we'll, we'll, then we'll put the next chunk of money in the next highest yielding bank and so on and so forth. Um, and um, then as interest rates change, if all of a sudden Max sees an opportunity where you could earn more, it will automatically move those funds to the higher yielding uh, account. And so basically you can think of it as your cash on autopilot. You set this up once and then you rest uh, well at night knowing that your cash is always uh, fully FDIC insured and always earning the highest yield possible. Yeah, you know, and I, I preach this all the time on the podcast and I'm a huge believer in you know, every dollar counts. You know, if you walk down the street and there was a $10 bill laying on the road, you know, and, and hopefully it was nobody nobody else's, you would pick up the $10 bill, you know, and that was 10 extra dollars that you had to spend on something. I'd love to hear your take, though, you know, on the idea of there's always a little bit of pushback of, well, why would I move my money from bank to bank, you know, if I'm only earning, you know, you know, a very small fraction of more money at, at a different bank. What's sort of the theory behind, you know, uh, if you will, like chasing interest rates, you know, how does that matter in your overall finances? Um, it absolutely matters because it's your money. Um, and if you don't pick up that $10 bill on the street, then you're effectively giving it to someone else. Um, and that the value compounds over time. Now in our family, if, one of our kids finds a $10 bill on the street. Um, our family policy is that they give it to charity. Um, but that's also a wonderful thing, right? If you think about this incremental interest that you could be earning, you can keep it for yourself and it can compound and it can grow over time, or you can give it to charity, or you can use it to take a friend out for coffee. I think there's a lot of research that shows that um, in life, what matters are not things um, and really not money, but experiences. And money is often an enabler of those experiences. And so, um, you know, if you do find that $10 on the street or $20 or $100, um, there's so much that you could do with that. Um, you know, from a purely financial perspective, you should reinvest it and compound it. And if I have $100 and now I earn 2% in interest, now I have $102. And if I earn another 2% in interest on that, now I have $104 and um uh, and, and four cents, and, and that will continue to grow. Um, but really, this is about establishing good financial habits. Now, on the Max My Interest platform, we have customers of all sizes. Some accounts are, are larger than $5 million. And for those customers, um, you know, they might be earning an extra $75,000 a year by using Max, which is enough to you know, pay for one of their kids to go to college. Um, so that's obviously very compelling at that level. But when you ask those people um, why they use Max, you might say, does, does 75000 really matter to someone with $5 million? The answer is that how did they get to have that much money in the first place? They developed good financial habits and they were thoughtful about everything that they did. And I think there's a, a general misconception that it doesn't really matter what I do when I'm in my 20s. Um, it actually matters more what you do in your 20s than it does what you do in your 60s because of the power of compounding. And if you make good, smart financial decisions, if you're focused on making the best decisions you can, as, as by definition your listeners are, um, that can make a very big difference uh, because with compounding, a dollar that you save today you know, can easily be worth $10 by the time you get to retirement. 
Wow, that was such a good couple of statements there. I wish I could put an exclamation mark um, on all of those. I, I just I love that you went into that because I think it really is about just shifting your mindset around money. And and although you know maybe if you're in your early twenties, it's an extra couple bucks. It's the principle behind. Uh, your 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 money habits and your the way you're thinking about money, the way you're thinking about growing money, and the way you're thinking about you know living the life you want to live and and having those experiences. And I don't think that people talk about that enough. You know, we're so focused on like, oh, we have to save a million dollars for retirement, or you know, we have these ten checklist items we have to do with our money, and that's not the same for everyone. But some of these core principles really are so valuable. Yeah, that, that's ex- that's exactly right. Um, and I think that it's really just about paying attention to the details in life. Um, you know, uh, another interesting thing that we found is that um, among millennials, they tend to favor debit cards over credit cards. Um, and I think that's smart if you are if you would otherwise put money on a credit card that you couldn't afford to pay off each month because. I, I think you should never carry a credit card balance if you can at all avoid it. But if you can afford to pay off that card every month, in my view, you should be using a credit card, not a debit card, because a credit card gives you a free interest-free loan for 30 days. And it also helps you in many cases earn points or cash back. Um, and these are little things that you do every single day, but that that adds up over time. Um and, and these are life habits that you're going to carry with you in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and beyond. And um, a lot of these little things add up to make a difference in your credit rating. And if you have a better credit rating, then you'll get a lower mortgage rate. And if you have a lower mortgage rate, then your house will cost you less. And then you'll have more money to pay for Little League for your kids. All of these things add up and compound over time. And um, by paying attention uh, to these things early on, um, it can make a very big difference over time. Absolutely. It's like the great domino effect. Well, Gary, this has been such a great conversation. Tell our listeners you know, how they can sign up for Max and maybe what the process is for them to even investigate whether this is an option they'd like to try. Sure. Uh, so our website is maxmyinterest.com. Um, and there's lots of information on the site. And um, if you find that it's right for you, uh, it's just a function of linking your existing brick and mortar uh, checking account, or we also support some brokerage accounts. Um, and then um, the steps from then on are, are pretty easy um, to open additional savings accounts and link them together. And once uh, once you've hit start, the, the software works on autopilot and you can check your balances whenever you want on your computer or mobile phone and move money around. Um, but it's fairly self-explanatory. So it's interesting, right? I mean, when we're thinking about building wealth, when we're thinking about how do we make our money grow and leverage it so we can do all these cool things in life we want to do every little dollar counts and sometimes it's about doing these simple things just like maxing our interest or thinking about money differently or really viewing it as us being the ceo of our finances and the money is just this tool to get us where we want to go like all of those things make such a huge difference as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. If you love this podcast, do me a favor, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media. If you want to share your own success story or have a question or have something that's really bothering you with money that you want to talk about, head on over to the link in the show notes and submit your story. We would absolutely love to hear from you. 